0: Welcome to Fishing Without Bay. where you've got here by accident or on purpose. Welcome aboard. The only insurance fee is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try, where we help people create their lives rather than find themselves. We help people explode into their lives through full impact mindfulness. If you're welcome nowhere else, you're welcome here. Jump on board, grab a paddle, and let the adventure begin. Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist, and today, as always, we're joined by our good friend and co-host and producer of this program, Mr. Mike. And we are also welcoming two special guests this evening, and we're welcoming them to the Sorgatron Media Podcast family. And they would be Eamon and Merlin. Thanks for having me. Thanks
1: for having us.
2: So, so man, what's good about being you? What's good about being me? Oh God, that's, that's an introspective question. Um, I'm, you know, I think, especially with this podcast that me and Merlin have uh, got together and done, I think it's also helped me kind of, ex- um, explore a lot of good things about me in terms of the things I enjoy, sort of getting my full, um, breath of me as a person, um, and all my interests out there and being really passionate about things that I love and, and, and really care about so I think that's kind of the thing I'm discovering is really good about me right now and sort of really embracing it I would say definitely
0: Merlin same question what is good about being Merlin
1: um you know I I have been on a long journey to figure that out um and there are things that I used to specifically um not consider good things Um, that I do now consider good things. Um, For um, our our watchers, you can see that I present a little bit more femininely than um, most quote-unquote men out there, and that used to be something that um, scared me and that I was ashamed of, and I have learned to embrace that in uh, recent years and just... um, I, I think it's just really about learning to love whatever you discover about yourself and let it be what it is and not try to define it and not really try to put too fine a label on it. Sounds like much acceptance, Merlin. <laughs> uh, it's been a long road to get here, but yeah. Yes.
0: So generally what I ask people, Eamon, and I'll ask you both is, do you both know the difference between right and wrong?
2: I would hope so. (laughs) I think, you know, I I definitely think, you know, the way I was taught at a very young age is to look at it in that way and sort of look at life that way. Like, um, part of me, like my dad really instilled that in me a lot, the concept of like doing your best with your best intention and putting everything that you put into the world, like making it the best that it possibly can be and factoring in, your impact on the world, I guess you could say is, is, was sort of his philosophy and a lot of things he does da- in, in a lot of the thing that he taught me um, at a young age. Um, I think that's really focused me in a lot of when it comes to the way I sort of move about daily life. And I think I have that in mind probably a lot when I go about things um, in the back of my mind, just kind of him in the back of my head saying like, you know, Think about something, you know, make sure that you're doing the best that you can in that
0: regard. Sounds like your father was a great influence.
2: Oh, for sure. He is he shaped a lot of uh, who I am. And, and um, if it wasn't for him, sort of like really instilling that in the early stages of, of uh, me and my brother's life as well. Like, I think I I think a lot about like the different path I would probably be on.
1: Cool. How about you, Merlin? Um, right from wrong. Um, I think a lot of that is subjective, but I think as long as you're leading with love and compassion, then even if you get it wrong, if you're open to learn, then, then that's right. Do
0: you both have a moral compass?
1: Yeah, definitely that.
0: (laughs) Can you both be dependable?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> can you both tell the truth?
1: The, I mean, I can, can, can tell the truth. <laughs> are, you can, both,
0: are you capable of telling yes, the truth? Yes, there you yes.
1: go. <laughs> Canon, uh, I don't
2: know about my accuracy rate, maybe all the time. But.
0: Do you treat people with courtesy and respect?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course. I think that's big. And important. So a lot of times I'll ask people, I'll say, what's good about
0: being you? And a lot of times they, they don't have an answer. Yeah. So I'll say to them, I'll say, well, do you know the difference between right and wrong. Do you have a moral compass? Can you be dependable? Are you capable of telling the truth? And do you treat people with courtesy and respect? And if they say yes to all those, and I say, there's a lot of really wonderful things about you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a good through line, like like a really good checklist, I would say. I, I think that's what I look for in other people as well, is just, you know, there's always going to be variances and differences, but like those basic tenets, I would definitely say is a big factor for me.
0: Well, we always ask people, especially when I deal with young ladies who have real problems with self concept and self esteem. Yeah. I usually as a validation exercise, rather than ask them what they have to offer, I ask them to define what what requirements it takes to be with them. Mm. So back to the Sorgatron media family, (laughs) you two started a podcast and uh from what I gather you two are not native Pittsburghers. No.
1: No, no, no. We're we're Texans. Um
2: <laughs> please don't shun us Pittsburgh <laughs> Pittsburgh natives. We we love the beautiful city. To
1: be fair, I am uh Texas born and raised. Uh Amon was born in Michigan but then moved very early in life to Texas. Um but we yeah.
2: So basically I'm just used to the weather. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, we moved up back in September, um, settled in here, kind of ma- made the decision pretty quickly to make the life change. We decided like around the summer that we were gonna go sort of full throttle with it and and uh make that move, um, which was definitely added to the scariness factor of just how quickly it was. Um, but ever since we've been up here it just feels way more comfortable in that regard. So how did two people from Pittsburgh find Pennsylvania?
0: Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, it's well. First of all, Sorg, as you mentioned before, our, our, the lovely producer of this program and everything at Sorgatron Media. Uh, I knew Sorg for a good while. I would say close to God. It would have been like two thousand nine, two thousand ten uh, was when I first started uh, getting uh, involved with uh, the Wrestling Mayhem show, also part of the Sorgatron Media network. Um, at a really young age, I think I was like maybe 15, 16 and um just started forming a sort of virtual uh friendship with him and with the other people on the show and people in the community um and that really sort of really fostered over the years and so i think when we were deciding on places to move um part of it was that sort of stability of like knowing people up here and know and having that sort of like um that uh that ability to fall back in case we, you know, it, you know taking such a big leap, something something like that, you know, having people who could guide us in that way with this move. Um, that was definitely, I think, a big factor for us.
0: However, you two left because?
1: Well. Texas was texas <laughs> Yes, multiple um, reasons. Could you say more about that, Merlin? Uh, yeah, so Texas... Um, in recent decades, I know it used to be a lot more, um, a lot more purple uh, back before Bush was governor. Um, but we haven't had a Democratic governor since then, um, and a lot of the politics in Texas have gotten um, very alt-righty. Um, Texas has been leading the charge in the nation. Along with, um, along with Florida, on uh, anti queer bills, anti trans bills, um, and it was increasingly becoming a place where we no longer felt safe to live out loud.
0: That's a strong. Uh, that's a strong statement, Merlin. A place where I no longer felt safe.
1: Yeah, it. Um, I was afraid to leave our, our apartment. It was getting that bad just because I knew that for my own sanity, I could not go back to presenting in a way that would keep me safe. Um, I could not go back to living in the oppressive closet and, um, It, it wasn't it wasn't something that was feasible, basically. And um, when um, it leaked that Roe v Wade was going to be overturned, um, we were very scared because we knew that once um, once that right to privacy was stricken down because that was the, the basis on which they they struck that down. Um, then that would set a precedent for them to strike down things like uh Texas v Lawrence, I think is what it is that is the anti-gay uh law in Texas um, and you don't even have to like prove that somebody is having a uh sexual relationship. You just need enough information to make their life hell and making their life hell means reporting them for just living together like back in the day people like queer couples in texas would get reported i mean not even just queer couples it would be like straight couples that people didn't like or not straight couples but um like, if you had a roommate that literally had a separate bedroom in your house, you could get reported for uh, the anti-sodomy laws that were there.
0: And the consequences of that would be?
1: Even if you don't end up in jail, um, you will get harassed by police. You will get, um, you know, at least thrown in jail overnight. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to you in there.
0: You can get arrested and put in jail for being
1: gay? You used to be able to and until um when if they ever do strike down Lawrence v. Texas, that law is still on the books in Texas. It was never removed. It's just a Supreme Court case that said it's unconstitutional.
0: When did you both start to feel
2: oppressed?
1: I think a lot of it was the well. You have that's a loaded question. Yours is probably
2: more lengthy, especially than mine. Um, I think I, you know, obviously you mentioned sort of the recent stuff on the summer of the decisions coming down. I think a lot of it, as well, was just you. I came out as gay in sort of a little later stage of my life. I was twenty two, and I was also kind of in many ways and I knew this and I kind of found this out after meeting Merlin and getting to know him and, and, um, developing our relationship. I was in a bubble in many certain ways in towards, a in terms, in terms of people I was kind of surrounded with. I had enough of a protection system, um, the sort of, you know, traditional strife of the people closest to you when you are having these, you know, um, making this, this decision to come out and live your life as, as um, you're destined to live it as was a little safer for me in that regard. Um, I think the recent string of just everything that had been happening. And then like, I think another thing for us in terms of like also with the move, especially was that um, I know we were also in a point of our relationship where we were thinking of eventually starting a family sort of building upon our relationship. And for me, I think seeing, the stuff that was happening in the state generally, we um we're seeing it a lot also now in just like the school systems of places and um certain discrimination that's being allowed um for either children who are LGBT or who have parents that are LGBT and sort of the uncertainty in regards to that. Um that's the first time I really felt sort of a tightening, I guess you could say, is the best way I can describe it of like this feels unsafe, this feels like um, an attack, I guess, in many ways, you could say.
0: Feeling unsafe to leave your home, that really doesn't sound like the land of the free and the home of the brave, Merlin.
1: It really doesn't. And honestly, until I moved out of my family house, I wasn't even safe in my home. Um, Like, I started feeling oppressed at the age of six. Like, I am a survivor of child rape. Um, for about six years it was happening. Um, my family doesn't even know that ever happened to me. Um, but it did. And um, so I've known for from a very, very, very young age who I was. And um, it was constantly being told to me. Not directly like you are bad, you are awful, but tangentially, right? It constantly, um, because I grew up evangelical, so I grew up in that. um, It's already traumatic for people who are not queer. Um, But then you throw that into it and um, you end up with so much self-hate and so much um, suppression of just humanity Um, because it's not even just my queerness. It was um, the fact that I'm autistic um, was something that I didn't know at the time, but it was differences that I was still trying to hide from everyone because any difference makes you a sinner. Any difference makes you eligible for hell.
0: Makes you a sinner.
1: Oh yeah. If you don't fit into their status quo, you're going to hell. And that is something that I still struggle with today, having left the church 10 years ago. I still struggle with that because it was ingrained in me at at the youngest possible age. And it is something that is foundational to Every thought process I've ever had. So having to deconstruct that conditioning, uh, it is painful and it takes a long time. But I think I'm finally starting to get out of that.
0: I like that term deconstruction.
1: Yeah. Sounds like
0: you've uh, been in front of a therapist before.
1: (laughs) Um. Actually, it's been TikTok. Honestly, yeah. I was gonna um, say he's
2: actually he's more the therapist in the relationship. <laughs> I he's a great um, therapist.
1: I love psych uh, psychology. It's something that I've always been passionate about. Um, like the way that the human mind works is fascinating to me. And um, when the pandemic hit and TikTok kind of blew up and became my my only access to the outside world. Um, I started finding communities that were teaching me things that helped me figure out who I was. Um, you know, the autistic community there and neurodivergent community there is huge. Um, I'm also pagan now that I've left the Christian church. Um, and the pagan slash witchcraft community there is also huge and vibrant. And um, I've learned so much. The the queer community there is huge and vibrant. And I've learned so much about um, being um, anti-racist from uh, TikTok and have learned, you know, so much there. And I owe so much to the communities that I've found there in figuring out not just who I am, but also figuring out how to lead with compassion, not just for myself, compassion for who I am, but compassion for others.
0: We'll be continuing our conversation with Eamon and Merlin of A Gay and His Enby podcast on our next episode. And as always, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself, and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself, and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste, my friends. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website, We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without
1: bait.